Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grove Church Podcast. My name is Pastor Nick and I have the honor and privilege of pastoring the Grove Church right here in Fontana, California. Here at the Grove, our vision is to see our community grow closer to Christ, be givers like Christ, and reintroduce the lost to Christ. And my prayer is that as you listen to this message, you will be encouraged, you'll grow a little in your faith, and you wouldn't just hear the word, but you would become a doer of the word. But I wouldn't just stop there. I encourage you to share this message with your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, and anyone else you can think of. And after you do that, follow us on social media and visit our website at yourgrovechurch.org to learn more about who we are as a ministry and how you can get involved and plugged in right here at The Grove. I'm excited for you to hear this message. I can't wait. So get your notes ready and let's dive all the way in together. are doing today we are in part four of our series on the book of James and so our series King James continues on today and we are looking at James chapter three and James is teaching us a lesson today so let's read James chapter three and then let's jump into uh, what our lesson will be for the day um, so here's what James chapter three and we're going to look at verses two through twelve James chapter three, verses two through 12, for the purpose of our study on the book of James, we're actually gonna look at chapter three today, part of chapter three, and we're gonna look at part of chapter five for today in this study. It'll all make sense in just a moment. Look at your neighbor and say, well, it will all make sense. So the first part we wanna look at is James chapter three. We're gonna look at verses two through 12. Here's what James has to tell us. He says, "With we all stumble in many ways. Look at your neighbor and say, that means you too. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Now, here's one thing that we have to keep in mind when it comes to what James is describing as someone being perfect. What James is describing is he's describing someone who is mature. So not necessarily perfect in that they never get anything wrong or that they are the pillar uh, or the example, not perfect in that sense, but more so anyone who, uh, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is mature. They are a mature Christian, a mature believer. Remember, if we go back to James chapter one, what James is trying to teach us is how to be mature Christians. And he describes that when we go through our trials and our testing, uh, those things come to make us mature Christians. So what James is saying here when it comes to being perfect is that you are mature if what comes out of your mouth never puts you at fault, if you will. So he continues on. He says, uh, who is, uh, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. So he's starting to use some examples of the tongue in other ways. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. 
So he's saying with the mouth, as small as the mouth is compared to the whole of the body, think of the damage that it can do. And so he uses the bit of a horse, which we'll talk about in a moment. He uses the spark of a fire. And he's basically just saying that something so small can produce a great result. The tongue, is, it, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. So what, you comes, what comes out of your mouth, what you say corrupts your whole body. So it just, what you say is, is everything. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Um, it corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Look at your neighbor and say, your mouth can get you in trouble. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. So James is saying, listen, how can we do both of these things? We curse our neighbors, our friends, our family members, and then with the same mouth, we praise God. How does that make sense? In verse 10, it says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Verse 11, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So in this part of this series, what we're actually going to do, initially I plan to wrap up the series today by looking at James chapter 3 through James chapter 5, giving each part a little bit of attention. But as I was reading this text on taming the tongue, it became very apparent that this is meant to stand alone, that taming the tongue, which is where we're going today, Taming the tongue is a part of demonstrating your faith. And so for the next couple of Sundays, what we're going to talk about is our faith demonstrated. We're going to look at different things such as taming the tongue, such as submitting ourselves to God. And then finally, we'll wrap it up by talking about, you know, uh, patience and suffering. So we'll bring it full circle. But for today, really focusing on taming the tongue because there's something really important and critical about what James is trying to teach us. He uses these different analogies, which are really important. And it may go over our head at, at first, but it's really important for us to catch this. Like James talking about the tongue itself is very interesting because the tongue is so very powerful, right? There's so many things that can be said. There's so many things that have occurred in just life in this life that we're living simply by way of words being said, right? One of the things that I think about when it comes to the tongue and how important our words and, and, and what we verbalize can be, if you think about our existence as human beings, think about how the world starts and think about how the world begins and think about what scripture says about the beginning of the time, right? Everything that we see, everything that we, our eyes behold began simply by the word of God. Right. If we go all the way back to Genesis, Genesis talks about, you know, God saying, let there be light. And so it was light talking about, OK, well, let's separate the light from the darkness. And so there was night and day 
or talking about how, uh, you know, human beings, let's create mankind in our image. So everything that we see began with the word. And so what James is trying to focus on is the fact that with your words, there is great power in what we say. And so in teaching us on what Christian life should be like, right? Like that's the whole purpose of this series is because James is teaching us what it means to live out a Christian life. In teaching us that, he focuses specifically on our words and the fact of, of and, and what our words can produce, right? Like in, in this whole series, we've been focusing on one of these very simple points or questions from a quote on the book of James. And part of that and the purpose of our series is to understand, is our life in line with what we believe? If our life is in line with what we believe, then our words and what we speak will have, will be seasoned with salt, right? Because that's what scripture says. The Bible tells us that our words should be seasoned with salt. So everything that comes out of our mouth should be for building up or encouraging others. And when that is not the case, think of what James just describes as far as the type of destruction that can come. He, he, he correlates the, the tongue and our evil words with being a restless evil full of deadly poison. So think about the power of that. We just talked about the beginning of time and how with just his words, life was spoken, right? And that's God. And, and, and in just speaking, things came into existence. Well, here's the contrast is that not only can your words produce life, not only do, do your words produce a certain fruit that scripture says you will end up having to eat, but think about how your words can also tear someone down. And so he describes it as a deadly poison. In thinking about James and talking about our words and our mouth and our tongue, I just think about, you know, we, we, we go from the creation of the world and then hundreds of years later, you see the children of Israel and they had wandered, they were in slavery for 400 years, then they escape Pharaoh, they go to the wilderness, and they're in the wilderness for 40 years. With their mouth, they spent a lot of time in that 40 years complaining, right? So on one end, we see life being created. On the other end, we see the people that God created, his special people complaining about God rescuing them from slavery. And basically what they were saying with their mouth, they're complaining about how, man, we had it better when we were slaves. We had it better when we were in captivity. We could go and do this and we could eat and do that. And we had onions and leeks and all these choice fruits and vegetables that we could eat when we were in slavery. And they're complaining about the fact that they are no longer slaves and that they're in the wilderness and that they're having to eat manna which was produced by God and so here they are getting a free meal and they are complaining and so they're using their voice instead of to thank God for this food that he's producing every single day that all they have to do is pick up and harvest instead of thanking God for those things they're complaining instead of thanking God for being freed and no longer slaves they're complaining about what type of food they have to eat and so we see that in scripture not only can it produce life but our words can also be used to complain. But here's the other side of this, because a few years later, right, as, as Joshua is getting ready to take the children of Israel into the promised land, one of the things that God describes to them is, listen, you're going to walk around the walls of Jericho. You're going to walk around seven times, six times. You're not going to say anything. 
And so I imagine that God is using this moment to say, you've been doing all of this complaining, all of this talking, all of this complaining about what you don't like. So in order to get out of this situation, I'm, ask, I'm actually going to ask you to not say anything at all. But that's not the only instruction he gives them. As they're walking around, he says, listen, on the seventh time, I want you to give a shout. And on that seventh time, once you shout, the walls of Jericho will come down. So not only does God create life, not only can we complain with our mouth, but our mouth and our words have the ability to set us free from certain situations. And so here we see the people of Israel They are making their way into the promised land. But in order to take hold of the promised land, God calls them to, in some sense, worship. And once you worship, then and once you praise and once you worship, then you will start to see results. This is very interesting because it's the same concept that God gives us in life today, that when we worship God and when we praise God before we have gotten the thing that we've been asking him for, oftentimes that is when God will reveal the thing that we've been asking for all along. So it's something about using our mouth and using our words to manifest the thing that we're praying to God for and to cause the thing that we're praying God for or believing God for to come to pass in our life. And so James is giving special attention to taming the tongue because he knows of what scripture says in that the life and death is in the power of the tongue, which means that your tongue and your mouth and your lips have the ability to either produce good things or bad things. And so he makes it very clear that it is in some ways related to a restless evil when it comes to our tongue. Also think about when when it comes to our tongue and what the scripture talks about with our words, even think about the prayer of salvation, right? The, the Bible describes in Romans, um, Romans chapter nine, verse 10, he, or, or Romans 10, verses nine. He describes this idea of confessing with your mouth. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? And so he's saying that you've got to first confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So even in that part of our faith, there there's a responsibility of us to use our words and to open our mouth and, and confess that Jesus is Lord. Or you can think about the fact that what is our purpose as believers, right? No matter what you've been called to do, whether it's to sing, whether it's to dance, whether it's anything, at the end of the day, your purpose is to spread the gospel. And one of the ways in which you spread the gospel is by using your voice and sharing the good news and telling people about the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and the eventual second coming of Jesus Christ. You can't do that with just your mind. Can you imagine like trying to evangelize or trying to spread the gospel without saying any words? Sure, your life is a way of demonstrating the gospel. Your life can demonstrate who Jesus is just through your actions, But at the end of the day, you do have to tell someone about Jesus. You do have to communicate with your mouth, using your voice and describe who Jesus is, what he has done, what he will do and what that means for you if you believe in Jesus Christ. So our mouth and our tongue, there's so much responsibility. There's so much power in just our words and using our voices that we don't even understand half the time. 
And so James is trying to teach us as believers, it is important for you to get this thing under control. And I think he comes out the gate strong and he says, listen, we all stumble. We're all going to get it wrong. We're all going to mess up. And anyone who is never at fault in what they say is a mature believer. So not only do I need to get my life in line with what I believe, but if I believe what James is saying, then I have to exercise some maturity by ensuring that the words that I speak to others does not put me at fault. If I am truly a mature Christian and believer, then whatever comes out of my mouth will be representative of what's in my heart. And as a mature believer, what's in my heart is Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. So if that is what is on the inside of me, then that is what should be produced with my mouth and with my words. And so this is what James is teaching us. He's trying to get us in check here by saying, listen, think about your words. Think about your mouth and what you're saying. Another thing that I think about when it comes to how we use our voice and how we use our mouth, and we'll actually jump to James chapter five here, but as believers in Jesus Christ, worship, praise and worship is an essential part of who we are. We are called to worship God. And sure, we can lift our hands and that is one way in which we can worship God. We can clap our hands. That's another way in which we worship God. But it is so powerful when we can open our mouth and worship God with the fruit of our lips and make a joyful noise to the Lord. Another thing that we can use our voice for, and, and this actually brings us to James chapter five. In James chapter five, the last half of James chapter five, he's basically describing prayer. And he's describing and it's aptly titled the prayer of faith. And so here's what James says about prayer in James chapter five, Verses 13, here's what he says. It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So he's saying like, listen, all these things in all circumstances, whether you are happy, whether you are uh, sick, whether you are in trouble, whatever it is, he's giving you a solution for all of those problems. And all of those problems end with some form of using your voice and using your words. He says, if you're happy, then sing songs of praise, right? If you're truly happy, if you truly are in God's good graces, if you truly feel like you are blessed, then make it known by singing songs of praise. Don't sit down with just a somber face and you know, not even demonstrate what God is doing in your heart because of what's on the outside. But if you are happy, if you have any, any good that is going on in your life, sing songs of praise. And then on the flip side, he says, if any one of you is sick, then what you should be doing instead of moaning and groaning and complaining if you are sick, then what you should be doing is praying. You should be opening up your mouth, speaking to God and praying. If you are in trouble, you should be praying. If you are sick and you can't pray for yourself, call somebody else who can do exactly what James is trying to tell us. And that is using our voice 
to worship God. Call someone to pray for you. If you're in trouble, pray for yourself. Instead of just sitting and saying, woe is me, and just letting things happen to you as they may, we should be opening up our mouths and we should be praying and talking to God. He continues on in verse 15. He says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. So it's not just about me It's not just about me praying, but it's also me believing that what I'm saying is reaching the ear and the heart of God. And when I open up my mouth, I have to trust and I have to believe that God is listening. And if God is listening and I am believing that what I have prayed for can and will come to pass, then when I believe that is when it actually happens. I'm not just throwing up empty prayers because it's a last ditch effort to figure out life or to get myself out of trouble, which I think a lot of people will result to going, will um, result to going to Jesus in the midst of their troubles because it's the last option that they have. God doesn't want to be the last option on your list. When you find yourself in trouble, when you find yourself in need, the God shouldn't be the last place we go to, but it should actually be the first place we go to. Our friends and family shouldn't be the, the first place that we go to. We shouldn't talk to them first. We should be going to God first and allowing God to deal with our pain and allowing God to hear us because we trust that God believes or because we trust that God hears us, we can believe that what we pray for will happen. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. He continues on and says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Or in other translations, the prayer of the righteous availeth much. In other words, Combining the fact that you are praying and you're believing God for what you're praying for with how how much power your tongue and your voice has. He's saying that when you pray, it is effective and it produces very much. Verse 17, it says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Verse 19, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wonder from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. And so James is just trying to show us like, listen, just like Elijah was a human being, just like us, while he did a lot of great miracles and he did a lot of great things in the name of Jesus, in the name of God, just like us, he was just a human being. And he prayed earnestly and it didn't rain. So what are we praying for? And are we praying in earnest? Are we praying in earnest and really believing that what we're asking God for will come to pass? Are we really using the power in our words and in our voice, or are we letting the words that come out of our mouth fall to the floor? We talked about Samuel a few weeks ago before this series, and we talked about how Samuel was blessed, and none of the words that came out of his mouth fell to the floor. 
He was a prophet that everything that he spoke from God came to pass. So how do we take that same spirit of Samuel? How do we take that same spirit of Elijah and, and what we pray for and what we're, ask, what we're asking God for actually comes to pass? How do we do that? We pray in earnest and we believe what we ask for God can do. He's describing Elijah as just a, a mere human being like us. But yet when he prayed and what he asked for, God calls to come to pass. And so all, of, all in James chapter three and James chapter five, he's really just trying to show us about the power that we have in our tongue. And he describes in this part of scripture in James chapter three is described as taming your tongue. And that's what I want us to focus on today. How do we control our tongue? How do we make sure that the words that come out of our mouth are pleasing to God? James is describing that the tongue is a small part of the body. It's a very small part compared to everything else, compared to your whole hand, compared to your foot, compared to other parts of your body, compared to your brain, compared to your heart. The tongue is much smaller. But yet James is, is, is cautioning us that it has the ability to do great damage just with our tongue. Right. And so here's how Jack Hayford describes the tongue. He describes it by saying its power and influence for good or bad are out of proportion to its size. So even though it's a small thing, its influence and its power for either good or bad is disproportionate to its size. And all he's trying to say is what you can produce by simply opening your mouth and speaking aloud is far more powerful than what you could do with your hands. It's far more powerful than what you could do with your brain. It's far more powerful and will get you farther than what you could do with your feet. He's trying to describe how important it is for us to control our tongue. James believes that the tongue could probably do more damage than all temptation to the child of God. Think about that. Think about all the possible temptations you could have in this life. And James is saying that your tongue could probably do more damage than all of those things combined. And so he's just trying to paint this picture. Again, we, we, when we started this series, we started talking about how instruction manuals, because James is an instruction manual for believers in living out their faith. And we talked about how with instruction manuals, what, what is important is that there are few words, but more illustrations that are easy to read and easy for you to understand so that as you're putting a piece of furniture or, or an item together, you understand how to do it without having to read a bunch of stuff. And so here he is in this part of scripture, he's saying, listen, that the tongue could do far more damage than all of the temptations that you have. Simply by what you say. He begins by indicating that even though we should keep the law, we all stumble in many ways. This is how James begins. We all stumble in many ways. And the point that he's trying to make is where we stumble the most or where there is the ability for us to stumble the most is in our words and what we're saying. So he says we all stumble and then he goes on to say how powerful the tongue is says the chief source of stumbling is our tongue or the words that we speak. So here's some things that we have to keep in mind. Number one, the tongue is small but mighty. 
The tongue is small but mighty. Tell your neighbor, your tongue is small but mighty. We talked, and in this text, uh, James is describing um, the bit in the horse's mouth. What does he say about the bit in the horse's mouth? He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. He talks about the small rudder of a ship too, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. And so the bit of a horse, does anyone know what a bit of a horse is? The bit of a horse. The bit is actually something that goes into the horse's mouth. It's, it, is, um, it is connected to the reins, and it's one of the ways in which the rider of the horse controls, maneuvers, and steers the horse. And so the bit goes into the mouth and you pull on it or you uh, pull it to the left or pull it to the right. And it actually directs the entire horse and, and, and steers it in the right direction. Do you know how much a bit weighs? How much do you think a bit weighs? Four to five pounds? 45 pounds, less than a pound I'm hearing. The bit that goes in the horse's mouth weighs one and a half to two pounds. A very small piece, one and a half to two pounds. It goes in the horse's mouth, but yet it controls the horse. Do you know how much a horse weighs? Typical amount of a weight is between 900 to 2,000 Pounds. So think about that for a moment. This small one and a half to two pounds little metal bit goes in this 900 to 2,000 pound horse. And yet it is not the horse that controls the bit. It is not the horse that controls the rider, but it is the bit in the horse's mouth that actually controls where the horse goes. So what James is saying that your mouth and what you say has the ability to take you into high places or into low places. It has the ability to get you into trouble. It has the ability to get you out of trouble. Your mouth has the ability to do all these things. As small as it is, your tongue is small but mighty. We have to be careful about our words and what we say to others because our words can hurt people. Have you ever heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt? Well, it's a lie because for most people, words can hurt more than sticks or stones. Sure, sticks and stones may leave like a physical bruise and there might be some pain and there might be some scabs and there might be some wounds afterwards, but the reality is that the words that you speak to people have the effect and can impact them in such a way that those words stick with them for a lifetime. Words can diminish people's dreams. There are some people who set out to be an actor or an actress or a musician, and yet they were told that they weren't good enough, or yet they were told that they wouldn't make it. And those simple words diffuse their entire dream simply because someone said something to them. Words have the ability of starting wars around the world simply because someone said something. Have you ever been around a situation where maybe two people, friends, even family, 
we're fighting and one person says just the right thing and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose, right? And you might describe it as, oh, those are fighting words. Those are fighting words because what has just been said stings so much that I can't help but to react physically. And so not only do my words have the ability to create life or death for me personally, but my words also have the ability to create life or death for someone else. Simply by my word of mouth, I can either build myself up or I can tell my, tear myself down. Simply by what I say, I can build you up or I can tear you down. So your tongue is small but mighty. There's a quote that resonates with me when it comes to, to our words. It says, be careful with your words. Once they are said, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. Right? There are things that you are going to hear at this stage in your life that in two stages later, you will still remember. Right? From encouragement, it gives you the drive and the passion to continue moving on. Years from now, Right. There's something that can be said to you right now that 20 or 30 years later will still resonate with you, which will cause you to not give up. Or it could be the reverse of that. There are things that could be said to you right now that 20 or 30 years later will still keep you from dreaming, will still keep you from being your best self, will still keep you from achieving the dreams and the goals that you set out for yourself simply because someone said a word. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. So look at your neighbor and ask them the question, what kind of fruit are you eating? Are you eating a bitter lemon or are you eating a juicy mango or watermelon or strawberry? Your words, and, and let's, let's put it back in the context of our words. Are you eating life or are you eating death? What are you, you don't have to tell your neighbor this. What are you producing from your mouth? What are you, how are you setting yourself up in life? James is trying to tell us like, listen, you have to get control over your tongue because of what it can do. You can either, you can either speak life over yourself or you can speak death over yourself. James describes this in the text and, he, and the, the second thing that we have to keep in mind is that the tongue is like a fire. The tongue is like a fire. And so the words that we produce, think about how they can set things off. Think about a fire and the illustration that James gets us, that James gives us. Again, James is great at, at, at giving us illustrations and showing us what he's trying to describe because this is a manual for Christian living. So he gives us the illustration that when you think about a small, when you think about a forest fire, think about how that forest fire started with just a small spark. And your tongue is that small spark. And it has the ability to set everything on fire around you. Right? It has the ability to cause things to come crashing down in your life simply because of your words. I've known a few people and I've worked with a few people who just don't have control over what comes out of their mouth. And so they will find themselves in a worse situation than when they started, all because they can't control 
their mouth. They are setting fires off and causing fires to permeate throughout their career, throughout, throughout their life experiences, all because they can't control their mouth. They get themselves in a situation where the situation started off on one level and maybe I needed to give some criticism, maybe I needed to give some correction, but because they couldn't control their mouth, they took that correction, they took that criticism to heart and then they started to go back and forth with the individual who was trying to help them and it just set everything off. What you say and the damage of the impact of your words can cause that hurt to spread and impact others. Similar to a fire, it takes one word or one sentence to cause an entire forest or people or relationships to catch on fire and destroy everything in its path. The tongue is like a fire and it happens that quickly. All it takes is a few choice words that can change the trajectory of your life or someone else's. Fire is a serious thing. It's not something that you play with. It's not something that you taunt others with. Fire is dangerous. Fire can kill. Fire can change landscapes. Fire can change a lot of things. And your tongue is the same way. Your tongue can change the landscape of your life, the landscape of other people's life. And once something has been burned up, once something has been torn down, it is hard to rebuild it to its original state because of how devastating a fire can be. Your words are the same way. Your words can be devastating to your self-esteem. Your words can be devastating to someone else's life. Your words can be devastating and can destroy things. And James is trying to teach us to keep this in mind and be thoughtful about our words and what we speak. There's a phrase that comes to mind, think before you speak. And why is that phrase important? It's important because if I don't think about the words that are coming out of my mouth, if I don't think about how these words are going to impact somebody, then I will inadvertently, without keeping intent in mind, regardless of my intent, I will inadvertently impact someone in such a way that makes them feel like less than they did prior to the conversation. Here's a quote that says, an uncontrolled tongue can defile the whole body or the whole person. So what I say and what comes out of my mouth paints the picture about who I am as a person, about who I am as an individual, as a believer. What comes out of my mouth can set the tone and create who I am as a whole person. So I have to think about who is on the inside of my heart. If God and the Holy Spirit are on the inside of my heart, then shouldn't my words be producing the kind of impact that God would want my words to have on others? Your words have the power to set people off or make them feel seen, make them feel heard, make them feel desired, make them feel loved. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, the tongue is like a fire. Here's the next thing that James teaches us in James chapter three. The tongue cannot be tamed by man. This is so important. The tongue cannot be tamed by man. And what James is trying to teach us is how powerful the tongue is requires an even more powerful God to help us tame 
our tongue. It's not just about ourselves being self-controlled. It's not just about that, but it requires the Holy Spirit to be working on us to allow our tongue to be tamed and the words that come out to reflect who he is. Without the Holy Spirit, it's hard to tame your tongue. And James knows that. He communicates that. And here's why. Because the sinful nature that inspires evil words is beyond our own control. It's beyond our control. Again, let me say that again. The sinful desire behind our words or that creates or the sinful desire that creates evil thoughts and words is beyond our control. It takes the Holy Spirit. Look at your neighbor and say, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. That is why Jesus says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit as a helper. You need the Holy Spirit to help you in so many areas of your life, including taming your tongue. You can't do it by yourself. Only the work of the Holy Spirit within us can bring this destructive force under control. Only the Holy Spirit. So if you are having a hard time with your mouth, if you are the type of person where this sentence described you, my mouth always gets me in trouble. If you are that type of person, then what you need to do is you need to be calling on the Holy Spirit to help you get yourself in check. If you are gonna get your life in line with what you believe, and for you, that means taming your tongue, you need to call the Holy Spirit today, yesterday, tomorrow, all the above, because you cannot do it by yourself. If you have struggled with how your words have impacted people in the past, if you have struggled with being kind, if you have struggled with communicating and your words being seasoned with salt, like scripture tells us, meaning that it produces life in others, it builds others up, it creates a, uh, an encouraging atmosphere for people, a psychological safe environment simply because your words are seasoned with salt. If you have a hard time doing that, then you've got to call the Holy Spirit to help you out. At one end of the tongue, here's a quote, at one end of the tongue spits deadly poison. At the, under, at the other end, it is manipulated by wicked spirits. Therefore, no man containment. And so this is real stuff. I know, I know it's not, I know it's not attractive and I know it's not stuff that we want to hear, but at the end of the day, if you don't get your tongue in control, if you don't tame your tongue, again, your entire life can either be built up or torn down simply by the word of your mouth. The Bible describes in this one place in scripture that we in Revelation, it says we have overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That means I am speaking life. I am speaking that I am more than a conqueror. I am speaking that I am overcoming this trial. I am speaking that I am coming through this test and I overcome by the word of my testimony. I am speaking life. I am telling the good things that God has done in my life. I am telling how God has healed me, how God has changed me, how God has transformed me. And I am doing that by speaking, by using my mouth, by using my word. James is clear that no man is able to tame the tongue, but God can. 
Look at your neighbor and say, God can do it. If you are having a hard time taming your tongue, getting your mouth in order, God can help. God can do it. The last thing James is teaching us in this text is that the tongue should be used to praise God. Here's what James chapter nine verse says. It says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. This should not be. And again, like only he can do, James gives us an illustration. Verse 11, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce the fresh water. In other words, what he's trying to tell us is, listen, I know you think that you can be a good person and be tearing people down with that same mouth. I know on one end you can be kind to others, but then be rude to the other end of the room. But the reality is that if you are rude to one end of the room, if you are rude to one person, again, what comes out of our mouth tells a story about who we are. And so I cannot produce both praise for God and cursing of a brother from the same mouth. It does not work. And so what he's saying is that neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So even though it is all water, if there's salt water on one end, pure water on the other end, at the end of the day, that salt is going to contaminate that water and it's going to become salty. At the end of the day, when you are rude and you are producing death from your mouth, it doesn't matter how much life you've produced on one end, you are defiling the whole of the situation simply because you have chosen at one time or another to speak death over others. And so the reality is that I have to make sure that I am controlling my tongue and ensuring that every time I speak, it is building someone up. It is encouraging someone. It is making someone feel good. James is trying to teach us and show us through this illustration that you can't have it both ways. You can't do both. You can't. It can't happen on both sides. You can't do both. Here's what Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 tells us. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And so here's the part about this. The hard part is that sometimes I have to use my words and be kind even when I don't feel like it. Sometimes I have to apologize and say kind things and help somebody else for their benefit, not for mine. I am doing it not for what I can gain, but for what it can give someone else and how it can help somebody else. And if I think about this context, when I'm speaking to people or when I'm, when I'm you know, not in the mood to be kind, sometimes I have to remember that it's not about how I feel, but it's about how it's going to make somebody else feel. And can I tell you that when you do that and when you think about it that way and you act on that, that is what a mature Christian looks like. That is what James is trying to teach us. At the end of the day, even when I don't feel like it, I should not allow any unwholesome talk to come 
out of my mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up, only what is helpful for their needs. It's not about what I need in the moment, but it's about what the individual needs. And if the individual needs to hear words of affirmation, if the individual needs to hear encouragement, if the individual needs to hear kindness, instead of thinking about how I feel, I have to be thinking about what does this person need? Again, this text in, in verse nine starts off by saying, listen, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father and with it, we curse human beings. My mouth should be used to bring glory to God. That's it. My mouth should be used to bring glory to God. That should be what we, that should be put on our, if you have a list of affirmations that you say to yourself in the morning before you get your day started, that should be added to the list, add it to the list. My words should bring glory to God with my siblings, with my coworkers, with my neighbors. My words should bring glory to God. So the words, the choice of words that I use, my words should be used to bring glory to God in every situation. This is what it means to be a mature Christian, that in spite of what I'm feeling, right? Because feelings are not directives. Feeling is just data. It's not, it's not directives. It's not what we should act off of. So in spite of how I'm feeling, my words should bring glory to God. And if I'm going to be a mature Christian, I've got to remember that and I've got to live that out. And I've got to do exactly that. I've got to ensure that the words that I speak to others brings glory to God. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope it blessed you and pray that whatever you take away today gets sown deep into your heart and you apply it to your day-to-day -day life. If it was as good to you as it was good to me, please share this message with someone and let's continue to grow together. Part of our vision here at The Grove is to be givers like Christ. If you were blessed by today's message and you wanna partner with us in your giving, all you have to do is text GIVE to 844-831-4106 or visit yourgrovechurch.org slash give. If you're looking for a community to be a part of, we would love for you to call the Grove Church home. And to get connected to us, you can simply text GO to 844-813-5747 or shoot us a DM on one of our social media platforms. I pray blessings over you wherever you are and wherever you go and can't wait for you to join us next time. Peace.